Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today on this fabulous Friday, first Friday of the month. We're calling it Finance Friday today. We're going to talk a little bit about mortgages. We're going to talk a little bit about the economy. And so we have with us, hopefully, Debir Najir, Rise on Mortgage. Are you there? Good morning. Okay, Javier's out of town. He was uh, supposed to try to be with us today. He wasn't sure about how good his connection was going to be. So um, we may have him back. If we don't have him later on during the show, we may have him back later this week. Uh, we also have uh, Paul Lee Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore, and he's going to join us today. I don't know if he's on yet. But um, he's supposed to um, join us a little later in the show to talk about um, the economy and the job support and other things that are going on. Uh, if you have questions, comments, anything you want to talk about, the number is 516 uh, There was a town hall meeting last night, and I don't know if anybody got a chance to attend, but if you did, Give us a call. Let let us know what went on. Unfortunately, I was not able to be there, but um, just wanted to see if anybody had an update uh, to let to kind of clue everybody in on what's going on. The main concern was about the uh, uh, violence going on in Pine Hills, particularly after the recent shooting that ended up killing a nine-year-old girl and um, a. 20-year-old, and I think there was a 38-year-old, excuse me, the 24-year-old reporter and the 38-year-old mom that they were, uh, that the reporter was actually coming to do a story about that got uh, killed earlier that day. Two other people uh, were uh, wounded, and uh, one of the people I know who was the photographer was out of the hospital, uh, thank goodness, got out um, a few days back. I'm not sure about the other person that was involved, but, uh, you know, we're hoping to get some of these uh, issues resolved, find a path toward uh, nonviolence, you know, reducing the violence, you know, some peaceful resolutions. And so I'm I'm hoping that uh, more will come out of that. So anyway, also, I don't know if any of you remember, but today was supposed Oh, okay. All right. Jabir, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, right. Gretchen. Sorry for the delay there. Hey, a little good, difficulty, uh, good morning. On. <laughs> That's okay. How's it going? Uh, doing good, doing good. Um, you know, just uh, 
taking it easy uh, with all this craziness going on and uh, ups and downs in the market and just trying to, I guess, relax as much as I can and take it uh, day by day in this business. <laughs> I know that's right. Uh, I was just getting ready yeah. to say before I knew you were on that uh, we had talked I, it was the last month um, uh, when Burton Kelso was on Tech Guy that today is supposed to be uh, um, Unplugged Day. You know, you're supposed to be unplugged from your technology and stuff like that. I thought I had that down. Uh, I did not prepare for today. I had a lot of things converge uh, that I or I had to do some makeup for that. You know, schedule got compromised earlier this week. So not unplugging the way I had planned on, but I'm going to do a makeup day at some point. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that will work for me because um, I think I told you earlier I was traveling in. The area that I'm, that I'm in, uh, bad reception and, and limited Internet access. So being without uh-huh. technology for even even one hour is like torture to me. So I can't imagine the whole day. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. It's just that I guess I have to plan for it, and, and that's the thing is that just trying to set aside the time and make sure that I don't, end up plugging other things into the day that I'm supposed to unplug because that's what I ended up doing was rescheduling some stuff for today. Right, right. But anyway, so what's going on with the market right now in terms of uh, mortgages? You, We talked a little so, bit before um, earlier this morning. You said there were some, there were some changes going on. Yes, yes. So there's some changes going on, uh, some exciting changes with FHA. Um, they actually lowered the monthly mortgage insurance premiums. So um, anytime you have an FHA loan, whether you're putting down 5% or 80% down, it doesn't matter, you always have mortgage insurance. But uh, mm-hmm. that is actually 0. 0.85, um, so a little over 8 tenths um, of a percent of your loan amount. They have to pay yearly to FHA just for having a mortgage, just for having a loan. So let's just say, for example, I'm just going to use 300000 If you have a $300,000 uh, loan amount, $2,500 per year goes to FHA for their monthly mortgage insurance. Uh, but they, they actually split that up over the course of 12 months. So basically, you'd pay $212 per month. Now, they actually recently lowered it. Actually, it became effective on the 1st, so two days ago now. Um, that is actually a half a point. So instead of that twenty five hundred, it's actually lowered to fifteen hundred. So that would actually equate to approximately one twenty five per month. So that's beneficial for two reasons. Number one, nobody wants to pay mortgage insurance <laughs> because that goes directly to FHA or to the bank. Um, so that lowers lowers that cost out of pocket. But the second thing is that now it may become easier to qualify for that loan because there's there's been so many times that somebody may not qualify strictly due to the mortgage insurance. So that should hopefully make it easier for people to qualify uh, for the loan for the for the mortgage or the home that they're buying. Okay, so let's um, get this make this clear. So you're saying mortgage insurance, and the mortgage insurance is basically if um, something happens and is, is this correct? Something happens, you can't pay. This covers the mortgage um, for them. Uh, or how does how does yes. this work? Yes. Yeah, so okay. typically, with the mortgage insurance, um, is something that you pay 
it's an insurance that the bank places on your loan, but it actually goes to a third party on conventional loans. So they have Genworth, they have MGIC. These are mortgage insurance companies that the average homeowner, they don't even know the name of those insurance companies. But the mortgage company has already established an insurance relationship. Um, The, the mortgage, I'm sorry about it. The mortgage, the mortgage company actually established a relationship with the mortgage insurance company, and mm-hmm. um, and you actually pay monthly. That if you were to ever default on the loan, that mortgage insurance would actually help cover the difference that the bank may lose to the process of a foreclosure. Now with FHA, they don't use a third party mortgage insurance company like. They actually put that money into their pocket. And I think it's in their pocket, but it's not like they go and spend it on whatever, but it's basically like a big fund is a better way for me to put it. So mm-hmm. everybody, put, all the homes put money into this big pot. So anytime there are defaults on FHA mortgages, this pot is what's used to offset the loss or cost that the bank may have if the homeowner defaults. So just the home. Okay, they make the payment, they have paid mortgage insurance, I can continue to live in the home. This is more sort of mm-hmm. like the bank. Right, right. Well, and and so, I, know I have mentioned it. Go ahead. Yeah, I know there's a yeah. little delay there. I, yeah, I, I, we, I know we've talked about it before, but I know some sometimes it, it gets, um, you know, people kind of, you don't talk about it that much, so you kind of put it to the side and don't really think about it. And I always want to make sure that people are clear on what that is. And so um, it, that, is that, that's one of those things, too, that you say you always have to pay. Now, wasn't there a time, and maybe I've gotten this mixed up, too, and that's why I want to clarify, clarify it, that if you paid a certain amount down, you didn't pay that insurance? Um, on conventional. On conventional loans, if you put 20% down, you don't have to warrants. But FHA, you always have mortgage insurance no matter what. Now, okay. for anybody that has been around mortgages for a long time, there was, and they may be, with FHA, um, you know, I my mortgage insurance fell off. Um, very, very long time ago, I want to say they stopped that um, around 2011 to 2013, somewhere in that general range. Um, FHA changed it that mortgage stayed on your loan for a lifetime. So anybody who got an FHA loan after a certain date, the mortgage insurance continues to be loan. Okay. So, um, all right, so the change that they just made, is that a temporary thing as far as you know, or is that permanent? Um, you know, it, it is permanent. It's not something that has an end date, but what I will say with FHA is that over the last in the business of 04, that has changed. That's actually decreased, decreased again. Uh, I remember the lowest I've ever seen is 0.35, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was 0.3, so three-tenths of a point. So I've seen it as low as three-tenths of a point and as high as 1.15%. So there's been large swings. I mean, if you, well, I think large swings, when you look at it on a chart, large, large swings, but when they make changes, it's, you know, small changes like we just saw from, uh, 0.85 to 
Right. So okay. you know, depending on the housing market, it may be lower in the future to point three. The housing market may have certain stress. Um, it may be stressed uh, due to certain things going on in the economy, and it may increase mm-hmm. again to one point. So um, it, for right now, it's permanent. But you know, in mortgages, <laughs> nothing is ever right. permanent. Nothing is permanent know. in regards to a life a lifetime permanent. Well, I mean, that I guess that is, is good in terms of providing a bit of a cushion, but we still are dealing with um, fluctuations and, you know, in some cases for some people higher mortgage rates right now, right? Yes, yes. We we had a dip, and, then, you know, the thing sometimes the news is, is a little behind, sometimes by a week or two, uh, but many times about, about a week. Um, so... Rates did drop um, around the beginning of the month. We we saw oh we're in a new month. I'm sorry. Around the beginning of February, rates did start to drop after the Fed uh, increased the rates by quarter point. The market actually reacted in a positive manner, um, but that lasted for about two weeks. And it's a more like the Fed said um, there were increases. There's some adjustments to the so the inflation data came out. It looked like it was improving, and it, and it, and it did a little bit. But then they went mm-hmm. back on some of the prior month's inflation numbers and adjusted them afterwards. And the market could in a certain way, and the rates start to increase. So over the last week and a half, uh, maybe even two weeks now, rates have actually been increasing again. Uh, so, you know, we got some good news with FHA with the mortgage insurance. But then on the other hand, the rates are increasing again. Now, are there and, seasonal know, fluctuations okay. sometimes? I'm sorry, go ahead, please. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'll raise um, so there's a delay there. Uh, um, so, Jameer, did we lose you? Oh, okay. Are you still there? Okay. We're going to – he's out of town, and he's having some signal issues, so we're going to let him there go. Are, we're off. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. There you are. I, we didn't hear you. Okay. We're going we're gonna to let him go, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore is going to talk about the jobs report, report and some other economic news. And if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time, and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, 
Let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Hi, welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we want to thank Jabir Najera Rajan Mortgage for joining us. Uh, we'll probably have him back on a little later in the month uh, to talk a little bit more about uh, the housing market. And so if you, in the meantime, we have Paul V. Shelton with Warwick Shore on this morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Gretchen. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for, you know, being coming back. Um, I know you've been a busy, busy man, but um, just um, glad you were able to join us this morning. Um I I do have a question about um I guess our participation as a country in the war in Ukraine uh being that it's you know we just I guess honored or you know reflected on the year anniversary of um the war in Ukraine beginning and we have sent a lot of money over there to try to help support their 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 cause their their efforts to um, end the war over there. How is that impacting our economy? I guess as a whole, and then how do we notice it as just you know an average Joe day to day? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I could speak to that somewhat. Um, we, we haven't seen, you know, we've we provided a, a, a great amount of aid to them um, to Ukraine so far to help combat, you know, the crisis that is going on there. Um, but in addition to that, you know, there's been other countries that have stepped up to provide um, aid, whether it's financially or through um, supplies and resources and, and other capacities. Um, with the amount of aid that we provided and the, and the size of our economy, in the interconnectivity of the global economy, um, it's hard to quantify, you know, you know, what that dollar amount or what that percentage gain or cost of inflation would be to our, our ordinary goods. I would say that just in general, um, the gas prices, the higher gas prices that we have seen and the elevated cost that we've seen in respect to that um, was a direct relation to uh, the, the war itself with some of the pipelines in the area and, and some of the supply in the area going offline and with the sanctions on um, crude oil or the Brent North Sea crude oil, which typically comes from the Russia area. So those impacts are, you know, on our shores as well. Um, and that's just something that's just, you know, very, very unfortunate. It is a uh, financial regulation. You know, I, I always say it's a de facto tax on the citizen of the economy whenever you have higher gas prices. Essentially, what, you know, we're realizing right now, um, I'm sure, you know, in the next, hopefully this year ends soon, but I'm sure whenever it does end in the coming years, economists will be able to go back and look at the records and say, uh, based on the amount of aid we gave, this was the, the total impact to the United States, but we just don't have that data as of right now. The reason I was asking, because I was curious, because we just went through this thing about um, trying to raise the debt ceiling, you know, and and battle back and forth about that, and I'm just 
trying to connect the dots, I guess, in terms of the average person that doesn't really maybe pay attention day to day, and maybe I should. But um, if if we are having this issue with our debt ceiling, why is it that we're able to give this kind of money uh, to a cause like that overseas? Yeah, and that's a very good question, and it's, it's something that, you know, Congress has not ever been able to answer, I don't think. Um, it, it makes you feel like but somewhere um, that no one else has, you know, but the government to use for, you know, foreign issues. Uh, there there are allotments of, of resources that are available, you know, for different times and, and things of that nature. Quite frankly, we, through the U.S. Treasury, we print our own money, so we're able to replenish the stockpile when we need to. Now, there is some cost, and there is some, you know, tangible cost and intangible cost to, to moving with that thought process. But in that respect, we do garner the revenue. Uh, we do garner the, I should say, the support. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, where we are, as a very sophisticated economy, a very, very strong economy um, in the global theater, we also garner a lot of the expectation to come to the table whenever there's issues like this. And, and I would dare to say that far too often when things of this nature rise, whether it's a, a war or a natural disaster, uh, whenever the U.S. does not participate um, in some sort of aid, we're off, often frowned upon. So it's one of those catch-22 situations where, you know, we have to do it, but at the same time, we always, you know, we, we're never been able to solve the issue of homelessness on our streets in around the world. Right. Okay. So um, I know we. I, I guess I jumped the gun um, with the jobs report because I was thinking it was coming out today. You know, because I think it that usually comes out on first Friday, but there's a delay this time. Is, is that um, anything unusual or what's going on with that? No, typically there is a delay with um, the, the month of February because it is a shorter month, and the way that they um, calculate and commonize the data, it just you know, oh. usually takes a little bit longer. So it's, it's typical, and every once in a while, you know, we'll see that happen again in November um, if we have a, a shorter Thanksgiving season which will um, cause the data to be pushed forward a little bit due to the holiday. I see. So this, okay. is, this is timing of the calendar. Okay. Um, do we suspect anything um, positive or negative one way or the other with, with the report coming out? Have you seen any trends that would give us an indication? Well, you know, what's, what's really weird um, right now is um, – you know, in January, we had estimates that were crushed. You know, they were, they were just really, they shot through the, the, the ceiling, and no one expected um, the, the um, unemployment numbers to, to be so well. You know, we had 517,000 jobs in the month of January, which is typically a time where you wow. see a recession from um, seasonality. Uh, but we just didn't see that. So it's we're very, very anxious to see what February looks like, to see if that seasonality followed over and kicked into February, or if there will be a follow-through and continuing of the high um, 
of job increases. You know, and this creates a, a huge, you know, situation for you know the um, the Federal Reserve and for you know business owners alike under it. You know, because we're we're having to deal with rising interest rates, and if the jobs report continues to come out with you know better than expected um, increases in employment, then that's going to prompt the Federal Reserve to continue to hike interest rates even higher and higher and higher so they feel like they're at a point where we're starting to, you know, tip the edge of the growth of the economy. So that's the, uh, you know, early on there's no significant indication that says that it's going to, you know, be blown out of the water. We did have indications going into the January report that we would um, see somewhat moderate growth but not as much. And that number was completely blown out of water. So, you know, sometimes the expectations and the um, the forecast are are quite off compared to what actually takes place. So, I am personally very interested to see what the February numbers look like from the standpoint of uh, understanding how it's going to impact our economy when it comes to um, the real estate industry, when it comes to car loans, when it comes to personal loans, and how those interest rates are going to play out as well at the same time, um, you know, if, if the number comes in good, we'll potentially have a Federal Reserve that's going to continue to be hawkish and hike interest rates uh, when we possibly may have a Supreme Court that finally shoots down um, the Biden's um, student loan uh, appraisal. So that could be very, very detrimental for many, many Americans in our society. So that's something that, you know, I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah, I did want to ask you about the the, the Supreme Court review of of, of the president's um, student loan policy. I you know I wanted to see how much of an impact do you think it will make if they decide no, this is this is not legitimate, this is not legal, we cannot back it. Um, do they? First of all, do you think they'll go back to the drawing board again and maybe try to? come up with something a little bit different, that, but that will still help, uh, you know, student loan bearers, or what do you think will happen? I think that if, if it is um, shot down and if it, you know, it is over, overruled by the uh, Supreme Court that the Biden administration will go back to the drawing board and assess, you know, uh, what is best for, for students and, and what's best for our economy. You, you got to understand this is at a at a time where um, we're going to be entering into election season coming up here soon. So, you know, if it is shot down now, um, that only strengthens the base for the Democrats and for Biden to go out there and say, "Hey, listen, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do, and this is another reason to reelect." And so, it could become a political play at that moment in time as well. Um, so I, I do believe that they will go back to the table and try to produce something. You know, this is something that Biden, you know, preached up and down the campaign trail, is that he wanted to help out student loans, student borrowers. And, and when you look at the data and you understand, you know, those that have student loans and those that have that debt, um, it is it does chunk away a good portion of disposable income for for many Americans for many of those borrowers and, and households, and it, it does eat away at the overall wealth capacity. Um, 
even if it is a you know a smaller you know twenty thousand dollar loan or whatever the case may be, we do understand that the the total values are often much much larger than that. But when you look at the payments and how much those payments are, and what the reduction in those payments will be, it it will be a significant reprieve to to many families out there who um, may not even be working in the industry or able to even use the degree that they purchased based upon current economics. So that's where I, I stand on it, and that's where I believe what will happen. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I think that it would overall be a good. I know that the country as a whole, we've spent a lot of money, and um, that's driving inflation as well. But sometimes when I look at spending that's going to help drive the head of the economy, I think that's necessarily a good thing. So. Okay. We are going to take a quick break. We are here with Paul Lee Shelton of Warwick Shore. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, You may know me as Timmy G. Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arglatex. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on K-Ham Radio. Are you chillin'? Good afternoon. Welcome back to G to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yes, I did not unplug today. It's just been a crazy one, but that's okay. God's going to work it out. So anyway, we are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore. And if you have questions, the number is 516-387-1944. So um, I wanted to also talk about well, there's a number of things, but uh, the automobile industry just seems to not, not be getting its footing lately. Um, what, do, what do you know about uh, th- that particular industry in terms of where things stand? I know we were having some problems with chips before, but it seems like we can't get a handle on, on the prices, and then now it seems like maybe we may be having even a problem with the supply. And what industry was that again? I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't catch that. Sorry. Oh, okay, the automotive, automotive industry. Yeah. So um, right now, you know, there's uh, used cars have decreased in value. And and it's, it's interesting. I was in a conversation earlier this week, you know, speaking about the automotive industry. When you look at um, 
what house prices did, and when you look at what interest rates are, what fixed income securities did, I should say, in 2007, we're kind of seeing a similar thing happen in um, the automotive industry. I'm not saying that we're going to see a huge, huge um, dilapidation or a, a large amount of repossession that takes place in cars, like we saw foreclosures that took places took place with housing. But it is mm-hmm. possible um, that we might see um, some significant volatility take place in the automotive industry, um, and that could be very, very painful, you know, for many people, especially people that do not live in the urban areas and, and rely on you know, cars, transportation to get around. As of right now, um, we've seen recent used cars that have been purchased within the last 18 months are approximately on average about $10,000 underwater compared to what their loan values are. A lot of these loans are are unable to, they're um, also at a time where, you know, some of the rates may have been not so advantageous if you bought recently, six to eight months. Um, they're, they're slightly recently, but then they have gone back up. But those borrowers are at a point where they may be trying to refinance and take advantage of maybe at a different, a better rate at a different institution that they're underwater in their car. So they're unable to right. bring $10,000 to the table to be able to uh, to, to carry out that refinance and, and reduce the amount of payments that they're making every month. So that's the one caveat there. Um, the, the chip industry, the semiconductor industry, which is primarily Taiwan semiconductor, has, has always been a, a topic of concern. Um, for one, you know, we believe that the U.S. should be stronger in this um, in this area. Uh, we rely on those those chips for so many things, you know, so many things that we use from our cell phones to our cars to everything, um, that for us to not be a, a, a significant player in that really, you know, creates a vulnerability and potentially a security risk for, for the United States because we have to rely externally so heavily on, on chips and, and on these semiconductors. So... We have seen some reprieve somewhat in, in the supply chain where, where people come back in a while, things are getting better. I do know approximately about a year ago this time, if you were looking for a particular car um, and you went to the dealership to buy a new one, you would be paying a ten or $15,000 premium because the demand was just that high for cars. Right. And, and they were calling them, calling them oftentimes a supply premium or lot premium or things of that nature which was just phenomenal. It was crazy. Um, as of now, I've seen the majority of those have dissipated, and um, it seems like we're getting back to the days of old when it comes to that respect from going to, you know, having your experience at the car dealerships. Uh, but, you know, that chip and semiconductor is a, is a major thing, and I think if we could, you know, bring a lot of those, a lot of that production back to the United States or have that infrastructure in the United States that will help you know, us drive some more connectivity and, and reduce a lot of the pain that we have as as consumers when we're at dealership. I wanted to bring up something with regards to cars. I know here locally, and I don't know, there may have been some other places where there's been a problem, with, like if you are traveling into town getting a rental car, um, and so 
I'm bringing that up because I'm thinking in terms of of, of possibilities for people who may be struggling right now, you know, financially. If you have an extra car, um, there are services that will allow you to rent your car out to someone, you know, so you're able to make a bit of a profit. And you might be able to ease this uh, rental car situation right now, too. Have you, um, I know you've been doing some traveling lately. Have you run into any issues with um, getting rental cars? No, I, I haven't. And, you know, and I really don't typically use rental cars as much, especially when I'm just traveling myself. Um, if I'm traveling with the family, then it's, it's more convenient with all the kids and everything just to have that peace of mind. But when it's just me or just me and my wife, typically, you know, we'll use public transportation or Uber which, you know, the last time I've traveled last month and, and um, earlier this week, uh, Uber has been, you know, the go-to for me. It's convenient. They pick me up and drop me off um, exactly where I need to be. So I haven't had that issue, but I do know that there are um, some services that are coming online, such as, you know, like we have Airbnb and, and um, BRBO where you can rent out you know, your home, there are services coming online where you can do the same for your car and same for your boat, which, you know, I, I found that to be very, very interesting. I also wanted to kind of go delve into, you know, like travel season, I guess, is going, it's going to be ramping up soon between spring break and summer vacation. Um, and so it might be, um, I guess, a little bit too late in some cases start, let's say, putting the, setting aside some money for that. But how, just typically, though, how do you suggest people uh, say, I can't afford to go on a vacation, I really can't afford to take time off, I can't afford, how do you, what do you, suggestions do you have that people can uh, do in terms of setting aside some money? It doesn't have to be, let's say, an elaborate getaway, but just to be able to, to have, take some time to breathe. Because I always say people need to, are like batteries, they kind of need to recharge a little bit. So what, what suggestions do you have? So what, what I would say is, is you know, and it's very cliche, but plan ahead. And, and not only just plan ahead, but have a like focus planning. For example, if you know that um, next year in 2024, you really like to do a, a three-day cruise to the Bahamas or, or something of that nature, um, then, you know, food wise travel agencies will put you on a plan where you can pay so much either monthly or pay so much a different milestone and be able to pay that off and it makes it more palatable, you know, for the budget to be able to do so. Um, second thing I would say is understand or, you know, develop what that vacation is in your mind and then be realistic about if you can afford it or not. I mean, it's always nice to say, yeah, I want to go. Um, to the Maldives and, and stay over there for two weeks and eat lobster tail the whole time. But that may not be exactly within the budget, but, you know, potentially um, going somewhere to a, a, you know, a Caribbean um, location here that's closer to home may provide you with the same peace of mind and the same relaxation that you're looking for um, that's, that's more true to your budget. So I would always advise, you know, look at those, you know, that dream vacation. Look at it. Price it out. Write down what the price is for it and 
and make a plan on how to change, how to obtain it, and um, what does it take to do this? Do I need to work extra hours? Do I need to pick up a side job, or, or should I, you know, start working at a, um, you know, some some places like uh, I know people that like to travel, and they started working part time for the airline industry as customer service from home, um, three days a week, so that they'll be able to travel anytime they want to, you know, for free, and that saves a lot of money. Uh, for them. So, you know, there may be things that you'll have to do to take advantage of some little nuances, but, you know, if you plan it out and say this vacation is going to cost, you know, X amount of money and I want to do this vacation at this time frame, um, you know, you try to, you know, work work the magic out there and, and, and see how to, to make it happen. You can also, you know, reach out to your destination and see what deals, what promotions they have. I really think that if if we do fall into somewhat of a recession, um, and if we do see one uh, coming up here, it's more than likely going to be a, a smaller, light recession. But if we do see that, uh, we're going to see a significant reduction in the price of lodging when it comes to hospitality for, you know, beach resorts and different things of that nature. So uh, that. That would be be my tip is to you know kind of look at where you want to go and say okay I'm give myself a year to get to this goal and every month um, I'm going to put some money in the jar to help me reach that or every month I'm going to put something aside until I'm able to uh, to achieve this goal. Yeah, and you know you you kind of just got to got to keep stabbing at it a little bit. To, you know, to, to try to uh, make it more of a habit. I, um, in my account, I created uh, different sections, you know, uh, for ones for my bills, and, but I did create one for my vacation where, I'm, you know, and I stocked money into it, and I, you know, I haven't been able to necessarily keep it in there, but I kind of use it as, a, okay, this is the fun money. So, is the fun money for now or is the fun money for later? And so sometimes I use it for now and sometimes I'm able to leave a little bit in there for, for later. So um, that's some of the things that you, you could look at. And then also, too, you, one of the things is another thing that you can do is take advantage of, like, apps that are out there or, you know, programs that are out there like Groupon has getaways on their website. So it may not be, like you said, the, that supreme vacation that you've always talked about, but maybe – uh, if you need a, a small, uh, less expensive and shorter getaway just to kind of recharge, you could always look at sites like Groupon and Living Social for some of those types of things. Also, some of the other apps like Gas Buddy and it's an app that used to be called uh, Get Upside, but it's just called Upside now, where you can um, find who, you know, who, what you, where you can get cash back from in terms of certain gas stations. Um, I did that the other day. I usually buy my gas at Sam's, and this particular time I did, wasn't paying attention to where I was when my um, little indicator went off. So um, I kind of looked at my gas buddy. I had, I had gotten a gas buddy card a while back, and they were showing a place that was close by that I could even get a better deal on my gas than going to Sam's, which was maybe a, a mile or so away. So just used my gas buddy card and got that cash back on that app. I think it saved me about, I want to say 19 cents a gallon. So, wow. um, yeah, so there's, there's different 
types of apps you can use um, and, and different types of programs. And I wanted to ask you, too, uh, I, I don't see them as much because I don't fly as much, but I used to have a card. At one time, I think SunTrust had a card, a uh, debit card that you, you could use to get, if there was a fee that you could pay, but you could use it to get Sky Miles uh, for, for flying. So there's some of those out there as well. Yeah, and I, I encourage people to take advantage of all of those. Um, Sky Miles for flying or, you know, you know, even if you are on a flight, um, I, I was offered, you know, because my flight was full returning home this week, I was offered to, uh, to, you know, take another flight. I couldn't do it because I needed to get back to pick up the kids from school. Right. Uh, I did... You know, my wife and I, we employed that option years ago when we first got married, and we got a voucher, and that voucher was enough to take take care of our transportation to get to our honeymoon. So, oh wow, you know, there's different uh, different things out there that you can take advantage of, even if um, even if you're on a flight or you know, and it's maybe not full or somewhat full, you can always ask. Um, the gate attendant, hey, is there a possibility that I can be bumped? And if there's, you know, compensation for that. Compensation. And, and a lot of right. times, yeah, a lot of times you can, uh, you'll walk away, you know, with something that is advantageous for you. So I, I think those all are, are good things to really take advantage of. We are going to take a final break. We are here with Paul Nichols on the Warwick Shore. We're talking economics, and if you have questions, the numbers. 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. We'll be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with Paul Lee Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. So, Paul, um, you've mentioned the reserve before. Are we looking at another hike from them? I think we are. I think we're going to see um, more hikes. I know the Federal Reserve wants to get to potentially a 6% um, rate, interest rate there. Uh, So I I think we we have a little bit of a ways to to go to accomplish that. And I think if we we continue down the trajectory that we're seeing in our economy with uh, 
you know, spending, retail spending being pretty high. Um, going out, we're seeing a lot of traffic in, in certain retail stores and certain retailers and and jobs report coming in was higher than expected. Then all that means is, is that we're just going to have continue, continuous of, uh, circulation of, of money in our economy. And whenever you have that, you're going to have higher higher prices. So what the government is trying to, or what the Federal Reserve is trying to do, is make sure that we have price stability, make sure that prices come down somewhat, and that we're at a, at a standpoint of maintaining full employment price now. Right now, we're um, essentially full employment plus, just about. But it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something that I think we're going to see, you know, another, you know, maybe two or three rate, rate hikes this year, you know, on cycle, hopefully no off-cycle rate hikes. So if we see off-cycle, that signal to the market that, you know, inflation is really out of control. But I, I think we will see potentially another uh, 1% or 1.5% of rate hikes take place uh, throughout the rest of this year. Okay, so help me um, understand, and I guess, or maybe tell me what is it about one business that with, you know, the economy being the way it is that uh, some are making money and some are shutting down. Uh, and I'll use one of my favorite places, for example, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, there's been a succession of store closings with that. Now, fortunately, I still have some that are open in my area, but I mean, I'm I'm wondering if, if at some point the they're just going to end up closing completely. Uh, why is it that you have uh, that business that seems to be gradually falling apart, but you have some other businesses that are you know doing well and hiring and expanding? at this point? What, what gives? I think a lot of that uh, pertains to just business model and, and if you're able to to keep up and, and maintain with the times. I know that uh, I had this this conversation or a similar conversation um, earlier this week with a former executive from JCPenney and, you know, he was telling me that JCPenney at, at the time we was there was very, very big on having a catalog, which essentially is like an online ordering, ordering service. They were big on having their catalog. It drove a lot of revenue for them having a catalog, and um, they were kind of the ones that that gave it to Montgomery Ward at the time and, and kind of mm-hmm. put, you know, Montgomery Ward to the side because of the catalog, but they got stuck with the catalog and didn't move to have a online presence. And by the time that, you know, they realized they needed to have an online presence, it was too late. So I think the companies that are really struggling at this point are the ones that are failing to realize the need for innovation and the need to stay relevant with the, the um, preference of the consumer. Uh, that's one thing that I, you know, personally talk about, you know, with our, you know, our, our credit union. You know, many people um, believe that, you know, you have to have, you know, I think we've had this conversation too, that, you know, you have to have a drive-through teller, you have to have, you know, multiple branches, but that's just not where banking is moving. Unfortunately, nowadays, um, there's a reduction of, you know, staff in branches, um, moving more towards uh, online banking um, experience. That's not going to completely do away with all of the, um, 
with having a branch, and it's not going to do away with, you know, having a human contact. But there are several institutions that have been fully digitized, and they have a very, very small physical presence. And I think this is kind of going to be where, where things are shifting towards, you know, eventually. Of course, you're going to need to speak to someone and see someone when you have to transact, you know, documents and, and um, you know, fill out loan applications and do things of that nature, underwriting. So there still will always be somewhat of a physical presence, but I believe those, you know, specifically in the banking industry that have too much of a physical presence will, you know, start to see their expenses get out of control. And potentially, I, I don't know the inner workings of Bed Bath & Beyond, um, but potentially that could be, you know, something that changes consumer taste, consumer preference. It's always what drives um, these new regime changes, you know, whenever they happen. You know, I tell my kids all the time um, stories, uh, you know, for them, a story that's in, of the past, it's history, but to understand that you can go to a toy store and be excited and buy a toy. Toys R Us is, you know, obsolete for them. It doesn't make any sense. Of course, it's out of business. Now, um, because so many people can go online and find the things that you need um, via Amazon or all the toys that you want and have a ship directly to you in the company of your home to so drive um, that consumer preference and that consumer pays much more than going to the brick and mortar. So those things like that uh, are continuing to shift. And the, the more you have companies getting into um, deliverables of groceries, deliverables of, of car parts, uh, I know many, I believe it's Firestone and Tire Kingdom now, they have home visits where you can register online and it can come complete a, a number of services, oil changes, wiper blade changes, car tire changes, a number of things in your home, right at your home. They'll, they'll come there and do it. So, you know, I believe that that's where the industry is going. And, and for the companies that fail to, to keep up, unfortunately, they may get pushed out. So, so tell me, how does this make, make this make sense for me, okay? You are a company that you're downsizing your workforce because you're going more automated. How does that, the, the economy in turn, benefit when you have fewer people, it seems, fewer people working? Or is it that the workforce is shifting to other industries? You know, so if you, for example, you talked about delivery. Is it maybe um, instead of me getting a retail job, should I look now at maybe getting a job in, in a delivery service like uh, UPS or working with uh, a company that has its own delivery service like Amazon? Or, or So kind of clarify that for me. Yeah, and, and, and so from the standpoint of a textbook, what that's called is structural unemployment. Uh, whenever we see a regime uh, – of a change, a significant change in the landscape of employment and what the, the economy desires as having for employees. Um, so, I'll, you know, I since we've been on this call, I've seen three Amazon trucks go by uh, with two separate drivers getting out and, and going to different locations. Um, that's where, you know, we're at, at in this current stance. And, you know, in the future, 20 years from now, we may be in a situation where some of these Amazon drivers are no longer, you know, employable because they're using drones now. 
So it may be at the point where those drivers have to be retrained to fly drones to help deliver, you know, these products. And so, you know, the one thing that is evident is that since the beginning of time, since, you know, man was created and since we've had fire, you know, we found fire on this on this planet, um, it's always been an innovative, you know, technology that has shifted the paradigm to something new. And it's going to continue to shift to something new over and over again. The only thing that we can do to stay relevant is try to understand and embrace the change and and see how we can, can fit into it and, and capitalize from it in that respect. So if there was one thing over the next month before you come back to the show that we need to keep an eye on um, economy-wise, what would it be in your opinion? Well, I would definitely say March 10th, um, next Friday, when the jobs report comes out, that is something to definitely, definitely uh, understand and, and see what happens with that. Um, just it's a really, really hot number um, with a lot of jobs added to the economy. We're more than likely going to see the Federal Reserve become more aggressive, and then that will um, create more volatility in the stock market as well, create more volatility, you know, probably in the real estate market and um, in, in the car, automotive, you know, market and it's, you know, rates will be much higher in that respect. Thank you, Paul. Always appreciate having you on. And uh, you and your family have a blessed day and blessed weekend. And God willing, talk to you next month. It sounds good. God bless you, too. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Happy Friday. Enjoy your weekend today. Unplug if you can. If not, do a makeup day. I know I'll be doing one at some point. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. If you have any ideas about um, topics that you would like for us to cover, please hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page or email me at four, that's the number four, winningwords at gmail.com. That's four winningwords at gmail.com. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.